Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. When we become interested in something, when we become intrigued by something, that our inner being, our our soul, our who we are inside, however you choose to look at that, that that version of us expands with the interest. It expands. It gets bigger. And that when you do anything that brings you closer to the version of you that just expanded internally, that is passion. That's excitement. The the vibrational level that shows up when you do something, when you move in the direction of where your spirit is calling you to because you've expanded in that way, those are the good feeling vibrations. But when you are interested in something and your spirit has expanded and you don't do anything in the direction of that expansion, that's where boredom comes in. That's where stuckness comes in. That's where dissatisfaction comes in. That's where anger, bitterness, that's where negative lower vibrations come in because you are living in contrast with what your spirit is calling for. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. I had an idea for this episode, and I feel like it's a good one. It's one of those that like I sort of get a nudge from something, something in my head or my heart, or hopefully something greater and bigger than me who has some better ideas than I do. But I want to talk about how to change your life, which I have done a lot over the last decade. I've talked about a million different ways to change your life. But I had this thought for an angle on conversation that I don't think I've ever done with you guys before. And it seems sort of interesting to me, which is you find yourself in those time periods where you know that you need a change, but you don't know what kind of change. Maybe you're feeling stuck or maybe you're feeling like, gosh, my life is really good. Like if you step back and you do your gratitude practice and you look at it and you're honest with yourself, you know that you're so blessed, your life's good, you have everything on paper that you know you thought you wanted and you still feel dissatisfied or you still feel frustrated. Or maybe you're asking yourself, 
just to yourself. You don't say it to anybody else, but in those quiet moments, you're like, is this all there is? And we're not supposed to say that. We're never supposed to admit that because it feels like if you do, you'll immediately have people pounce on you and say like, you should be grateful. I wish I had what you had or you're a mama and you'll talk about how hard it is to have a three-year-old and then some other mom will be like, oh, I wish I could go back to when my teenager was a baby and like people remove your right to feel frustrated or try and take away your ability to be sad about something. I actually was having this conversation with my teenager last night. I was driving him home from sports practice, which by the way is I do talk a lot of crap to myself and my friends and my boyfriend about how much time commitment it takes to have your kid in sports. And my kid is not just in one sport. He's in literally every sport that he can sign up for. And I really want to honor that for him because that's his thing. And that just means I have to drive a lot. And I do joke about it a lot and talk a lot of crap about it. But this new season of baseball has started and it means there's one particular practice that it takes about 45 minutes both ways. And the practice ends at 8.30. So it's like late at night, at least for me, it's late at night and takes us forever to get home. But I forgot because it hasn't been baseball season for a hot minute that we have the best conversations. You know, I really find out what's going on with him. I really get to talk to him about some deeper stuff. And I was grateful for that reminder last night that it's very easy for me to sort of only look at this in one way and forget, oh, this is my chance to connect with him in a way that I will not get to otherwise. So inevitably, we end up talking about kind of deeper stuff in these conversations and these rides home. And he was talking about a situation that he feels really frustrated by. And as an adult, it's easy for me to look at what he's frustrated by and kind of go in my head, not out loud, but kind of think, okay, this isn't fair. Like you're a young man. You're frustrated by something that someone else is doing what they're doing is really none of your business and they're allowed to be who they are and all of these things. It's very easy. I could sort of be a mom from on high and give him this advice. And so we were talking through that last night and I was doing my best to not put too much of my perspective on his experience, but just allow him to unpack it. But the one thing I did say to him, as much as I was kind of trying to talk him around and give him perspective from potentially this other kid's point of view. Here are sort of these five reasons that this maybe is your thing, not their thing. But also, I want to honor that you feel frustrated by this or that this makes you feel sad or this makes you feel however it makes you feel. Because it's unfair ever to tell someone that they aren't allowed to feel how they feel. And we do this a lot. We do this a lot, especially with our kids, because we're like, we know better. I mean, if you did not listen to the conversation I had with Dr. Shafali about conscious parenting, please go listen to that. It's a couple episodes ago. It's so freaking good. But essentially, that's the goal of being a conscious parent is allowing them to kind of become who they are and not tell them who they are. And I think you and I probably have experiences based on when we were raised and maybe how we were raised, unless you are like the 1% of this audience that had, you know, really cool conscious parents back in the 70s or the 80s or the 90s. But most of us didn't. Most of us had parents who were doing their best, but didn't really have the tools and skills that we might have liked. And so a lot of our parents gaslit us. And I know that word gets tossed around a lot and it gets tossed around and it's like this trendy thing. But really gaslighting is when you are using your influence on someone to discredit what they know to be true 
or to take away what they're saying is true for them. And really manipulative people will gaslight you enough into not being able to trust your own judgment. And I think for you listening to this, if you identify with what I was saying at the top of the episode that maybe you find yourself in a season where you feel frustrated or you feel bored or you feel discontent or any of those things and you're afraid to say them out loud because you don't want to be judged for that or because you don't want someone to tell you that that isn't true, that's not a safe space for you to process inside of. So for today's episode, I'd love for you to feel the freedom to be honest with yourself as we have this conversation, to be honest with yourself about how you're feeling right now. Or maybe you're not even feeling frustrated or stuck. Maybe you just know that life could be better. Maybe you sense that there's more for you. Maybe you you just know that you could feel better in this experience, whether that's emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally, however it works itself out for you. In this conversation, I just want you to have the freedom to be real about where you are. I think that the reason that people freak out when we say that we're feeling any of those feelings, boredom, frustration, that we feel stuck, that we feel unsure, is because typically we say those things to the people who are closest to us. We say it to our husband. We say it to our wife. We say it to our best friend or our parent or our sister. And most of the time when someone hears that kind of thing, the entire conversation stops being about what you just said or what you are feeling and starts being about how what you said makes them feel. How does it make them feel about your shared life together? How does it make them feel about their own life and where they are? There's something about this concept that really like freaks people out. It might actually be more effective, more productive, and healthier for you if you are feeling these things to just process them internally or process them with a therapist or process them in your journal to work through the way you're feeling without involving someone else, especially, and I'm going to make a sweeping generalization that is gender specific and take this or leave this, but (laughs) most men, no, I shouldn't say that. I don't know if all men do this, but a lot of men that I know my ex-husband, my daddy, my current boyfriend, if you tell them a problem that you're having, their immediate response, I'm like, I'm pausing because I just want you to complete the sentence like we're in church, is they want to fix it. You are telling, potentially you are saying a thing because you want to process it. You're sort of like, hey, we hold space for me. But most men in my experience hear you say that you have a problem and immediately think, I've got my marching orders. I shall fix this. Bless. So for what it's worth, let's just process this you and me. And let's talk about ways that you can change. So if you're feeling that feeling of uncertainty or you're just wanting more, you're craving something, but you don't know what it is, I thought I would talk you through one, two, three, four, five different ways that you can change your life. These are not specific. This is not like walk every day and you'll feel better. It's not that. It's essentially five different paths. Imagine that you are at a crossroads. You're standing at a stop sign, and you're looking at five different roads you can walk down. Now, certainly, y'all, there are more than five. But I'm going with the five most obvious to me, the five paths that I have walked down that have changed the trajectory of my life in major ways, and that perhaps you haven't considered yet. Before I tell you what they are, My one request, don't assume that any particular thing I'm going to mention is not for you 
or not for people like you. You know, we tell ourselves these stories. We say like, well, that's for people like my sister who are super motivated, or that's for my partner because she is really good at that kind of stuff. Don't assume ever that something is not for you. I cannot tell you how many times in life I have gone years or decades seeing something that I thought was cool but just assumed I'm not talented enough for that. I'm not graceful enough for that. I don't know how to do. I've just sort of taken myself completely out of the potential of something being for me. And in doing so, missed years of what would have been a fantastic experience for me when later on I discovered that, oh, in fact, this actually is totally for me and I love doing it and I've missed, you know, 30 years when I could have been trying. And I'm going to get to that. We're going to talk about those specifically. But just assume that everything is a possibility for you. Because if you want to change your life, if you want to improve your life, you want to make it better, that's a freaking fantastic place to start, is to assume possibilities are endless and you are worthy and capable of trying anything that you find interesting. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, no two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. All right. The first path we're going to talk about 
that can change your life. And I'm going to start here because it doesn't, at first glance, seem like something that could. A hobby. No, for real. I promise, I promise these are all going to be really good today. But I intentionally tried to pick something that you wouldn't think would be life-changing, but it 100% is. Please allow me to pitch you on why you need a new hobby. Okay, let's go back to this idea that there were all of these things that I assumed growing up were not for me. And in fact, a lot of the things on this list when I look through them There were times where I thought that couldn't be mine or I didn't have the knowledge or the skills or there's no way I could change my life in that particular way. But a hobby I think is probably, this has happened most often. I've told you a million times about when I took up long distance running. I had a partner who decided to sign up for a half marathon. He did it when I was seven months pregnant, so I couldn't do it with him. And I had never been a runner. I couldn't, I I never exercised. I didn't do cardio. I didn't know how to do any of it and always assumed that it wasn't for me and I hated it. Like I would have told you I hate running. I'm sure I said that publicly many times. But then he did it and I felt, jealous. I was like, oh, that looked really cool. I liked that there was a training schedule. I liked that he got to go to a race day. I liked that he got a bib and a medal. It just seemed so cool. The picture seemed cool. So I promised myself that when, like after I had my son, that I would run a half marathon as well. So I had Ford and who's now 10 and a year later. So the same half marathon that my partner had run. I decided to run. And just if you've never done it, it was a Disney half marathon. I've talked about Disney races forever. I think they are the best planned, organized, funnest, most joyful, most magical things on the planet. I highly recommend if you've never done one before. They're expensive as hell. But if you've never run a race You don't really understand why it's more expensive until you do a Disney run and then you do like another run that's half the price and there are no porta potties and everything's disorganized and the pavement is torn up and you like hurt yourself. I'm just saying there's a reason that they're expensive. I took on long distance running and absolutely fell in love with it, fell in love with every part of it. And I think What felt so good to me is that as I was doing it, every new mile I logged, when I would get to a mile or a mile and a half for the first time, when I would get to five miles, later when I would do higher numbers, when I got to 18 miles, when I ran 18 miles without stopping, every time I did it, y'all, I was literally shocking myself. I don't think of myself as naturally athletic. I'm definitely not graceful. I know you shouldn't sort of speak those things into existence, but I'm pretty klutzy. I'm not, you know, no one's ever seen me walk through a room and been like, oh my God, the grace, the trump. No one's saying that. They're like, oh, who's that? It's weird. She looks like she's balancing in high heels, even though she's wearing sneakers. It's just like, I'm not. (laughs) There was something really powerful about surprising myself. And I cannot say this enough. It's why I'm pitching you on a hobby because if you do something that current you does not believe you are capable of, you've always wanted to play electric guitar or you've always wanted to go horseback riding, you'd love to take a tap class, maybe you want to get back into soccer because you loved soccer when you were in high school. Like this is so freaking powerful and relevant to the way that we see ourselves is that you start with some interest. You're like, well, that seems interesting. Or maybe like me, you start with some jealousy. Maybe you see someone roller skating at Venice Beach in their 40s and you like are a little snarky about, you know, oh, well, must be nice to blah, blah, blah. And then 
you realize that the snarkiness is coming from a place of jealousy because they're doing something that secretly you wish you could do. And then you just sign up for the thing. You take the lessons, you buy the skates, you do it and you do it enough until you have that moment of like, click, holy crap. I didn't know that I was this person. I didn't know that I could do this thing. There's something really powerful about doing things that you didn't know you were capable of doing. My most recent version of this is learning to ski. I've talked about it a lot, and I'm talking about it a lot because I love it. And I cannot believe that I love it. I really can't. I obviously, my whole life, I saw people skiing. In my head, that was something rich people do because skiing is really expensive. And I definitely didn't grow up in a family who knew how to ski or could have afforded it anyway. So the first time I went skiing was in my early 20s with an ex. And it was a, you know, just kind of a sucky experience all around. We were like staying in a cabin with some random people from work. Uh, it was like a bunch of guys and then me. And the guys were like, I realized in retrospect, all really broy. And that sort of made my ex become really broy. <laughs> and, uh, or just sort of gave the environment for that to happen. I just remember it being like this sucky trip. And so I had gone, I didn't take lessons, uh, you know, I didn't really know anything about how to do it. And so when I did it, I was terrified and I did it pretty badly. I was proud of myself for doing it. I was proud of myself for getting down the bunny slopes a couple of times, but it was so terrifying to me that I kind of like checked the box and was like, all right, I tried that, not for me, and moved on with my life. And subsequently, now 20 years later, I have a partner who's European, who's a skier, fabulous skier, and does ski trips with his friends. And he has talked about skiing since I met him. So I sort of knew eventually I was going to have to go on a ski trip or I was going to get to go on a ski trip. But I kind of thought, I'll just go and I'll be there for the apres. So apres ski is like after you ski all day, you go have happy hour, essentially. Because I didn't know that. Maybe you know that. But I didn't know that because I didn't grow up skiing. And by the way, what a glorious tradition that is. Just like, oh, you are freezing cold. You have worked out all day long. You've been in the mountains. It's beautiful. And now we're going to go sit in this cozy bar on the mountain and have glue vine or an ice cold beer or something amazing. And it's just, it's a whole thing. I am loving skiing and I'm still not very good at it, but I'm officially, I've skied enough now that I'm not scared. So I've done seven ski days this year, which is a lot because <laughs> most of the time you go for like one or two days all year. So I've done seven ski days in a month and a half which is great because not enough time passed that I got scared of it again. And yeah, I'm really loving it. And I cannot believe how much I'm loving it. And it's shifting the way I think about myself on so many levels. Skiing is a ball ache. Like it is so much work to get the gear on and the boots. It's like heavy and hard and you got to carry just like, and I can be a fussy little bitch, you guys. I can. I can. And so I don't naturally gravitate to things that just are like so much work. So the hobby is kind of the same as when I took horseback riding lessons. When you do horseback riding lessons, you're around this animal. It's scary. You're up high. They could throw you. Not only that, but when you're done, you've got to wash the horse down. You've got to like clean up their poop. You got to do all these things. And I love stuff that puts me outside of who I perceive myself to be. Because if you do a hobby that changes the perspective that you have about yourself, it is impossible for you to do that and not go, oh, well, what else am I wrong about? Am I wrong about how well I can do financially? Am I wrong potentially about what I'm worth when it comes to my relationships. There is perspective shifting power 
in picking up a hobby that feels challenging, that you're not 100% that you can do, and you do it. I read the most incredible thing this morning during my morning routine. The most incredible thing. It was talking about emotion and manifesting and like vibrational levels. And I've read about this extensively and I've read about it for years, but I keep reading about it because just every once in a while, like this morning, you find a line or a nugget or something that shifts the way that you look at this thing you've been looking at. And what I heard this morning was the idea that when we become interested in something, when we become intrigued by something, that our inner being, our our soul, our who we are inside, however you choose to look at that, that that version of us expands with the interest. It expands, it gets bigger. And that when you do anything that brings you closer to the version of you that just expanded internally, that is passion. That's excitement. The the vibrational level that shows up when you do something, when you move in the direction of where your spirit is calling you to because you've expanded in that way, those are the good feeling vibrations. But when you are interested in something and your spirit has expanded and you don't do anything in the direction of that expansion, that's where boredom comes in. That's where stuckness comes in. That's where dissatisfaction comes in. That's where anger, bitterness, that's where negative lower vibrations come in because you are living in contrast with what your spirit is calling for. And to that end, basically every single day of your life, every moment of your life, you can do a check-in and see Am I being guided by what's inside of me? And am I moving in the direction of this thing that I am passionate about, that I love, that I'm excited for? Like, is that happening? Or am I feeling negative emotions? Am I feeling these other feelings? Because if I am feeling those other feelings, it means I'm moving further away from who I know I'm called to be. Oh, I just thought that was really cool. I love that perspective. That was uh, Esther Hicks, in case you're curious. So yeah, I think you should get a hobby. I think hobbies seem trivial and sometimes even having a hobby might seem selfish, but having a hobby can change your whole life. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach, thrivemarket.com slash rach. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh my God, I have to tell you. So this is a big deal today, you guys. My oldest is 16 and he got his driver's license. And this morning was the first time that he drove himself to school. So I made him text when he got there. He just said, I parked. It was horrifying, mom. So anyway, he made it there and he's alive. Thank goodness. Oh, wow. I have a 16 year old who drives. That's crazy. Okay. So the first way that you can change your life is a hobby. The second way that you can change your life, don't ignore this one, is to change your health. But you guys know that already. I want to mention it because maybe you need the reminder. Maybe you need the nudge. Maybe you need the call to kind of get back on the path you started at the top of this year. And maybe you have already found yourself diverted from it. But if you're feeling lethargic, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling, you know, are your hormones swinging like mine were for years? It took me forever to balance out my hormones. Um, Any of these things that when you sort of check in with self, you understand that you're feeling badly in this season, not because you need to make a change and maybe not because you need a hobby, but because your health isn't where it should be. Maybe you need to go back to therapy. Maybe you need to see a psychiatrist. Maybe you need to start eating in a way that makes you feel better. Maybe you need to start moving in a way that makes you feel better, that honors the body that you have, not the one that the media tells you you're supposed to aspire to. You know, we have talked about health in a hundred different ways on this podcast with all sorts of different experts. And there's loads of information you can find, not just from me, but from people that are far wiser than I am on the subject. But I do know that changing my health at different times in my life changed everything else. Getting healthy physically a decade ago changed everything. It took my life in a completely different path. And changing my health in terms of mental and emotional well-being, that's happened more than once. Uh, it's it's a fork in the road. It take, takes you just in a totally different direction than you were headed. And it gives you clarity and peace of mind and helps you to be a better human, a better friend, sister, partner, mother, husband, like whatever you are, it's going to make you a better leader, a better entrepreneur. Like if your health isn't in check, nothing else is going to be that, you know, you could be a billionaire. And if you have deteriorating health, there's, there's not enough money in the world. Steve Jobs, like he was that. Steve Jobs died prematurely and all the money in the world couldn't save him from that. Your health is foundational in your life. So I'm not going to go into a deep dive on why you need to take care of your health because you know that. I know you do. But I want to include it on the list in case you need the reminder today. You know if you are taking care of yourself the way that you your spirit calls you to. If you feel like you're not, Don't allow one second of shame to color that awareness because that shame is just going to slow you down. It's just going to make you feel worse. It's not going to motivate you. It's not going to give you momentum. It's not going to serve you. It's not going to serve you in any way. So don't give it power. One of the most important things we can do when it comes to our health is just to see what's really going on. See it as it is. Don't make it worse than it is. And don't make excuses for why it is the way it is. Just like be real. Be real with where you are. Coming off the backside of the holidays, I always have to have that check-in with myself. Like, okay, you not being able to button your jeans has nothing to do with you being about to start your period. 
you can't button your jeans because it's the first week of January and you have lived your best life over Christmas and that's fine and well and good. But we have to be honest about that so that we can make a change. We got to get back onto the way that we know is going to make us feel the best. That's the conversation you have. There's no shame. There's no spiraling out because I know from a million past experiences that if I shame myself about my health, I'll actually just rebel and go further in the other direction because I'm an emotional eater. And so if I make myself feel negative emotions with my thought process, I'm going to reach for the exact opposite of what I want. But if I'm just real about it, like, oh, look who had a good time. All right, fantastic. Let's like lay off of the beer now because it's time to head back in the direction of lemon water and feeling better. The third way that you can change your life is to change your work. And in this instance, you can change your work in one of two ways. The first is to continue doing the same work, continue the same job or the same business, but to reignite passion and purpose around what you do. So if you're feeling this, you know, discontentment with what you do every single day, first of all, life is too short. Life is too freaking short. And there are too many ways that you can make money to stay indefinitely in a career that you hate. And man, even back in the day when I was working three jobs and I was so broke, even then, one of the jobs I had was like, I was in LA and I was, oh God, 18 or 19. I was a baby. And one of the jobs I had was working for a, like a manager, like a talent manager. Like she, you know, if you were an actor or whatever, and she would quote unquote manage your career. And it was just gross. The office, the environment, everything about it seemed super shady and it paid well, but I hated it. Every single day I went there, I absolutely hated going to work. And I did it for like a month and I was like, nah, I'll get a restaurant job. I'll go be a server or hostess. I'll, I can go, you know, work at Starbucks. I wasn't assuming like, oh, well, I can for sure find another job that will pay me 10 times as much money because I didn't have much experience and I was very young, but I knew I could find a job that was at least that good, but was a better environment. And I think far too often we're getting stuck in ruts and assuming that this is the right choice simply because it's already in play. You know, the, bo- the ball is already in motion, so we're just going to stay here, right? This is just what it is. And so I'll just be stuck here at this crappy restaurant job, or I'll be stuck here, you know, working at the bank, or I'll be stuck here being a teacher because my mom wanted me to be a teacher, but I absolutely hate it. Like, life is too short. Life is too short to go to work every day. We spend most of our lives at work. If you work full-time, you spend most of your life at work. Most of your waking hours, certainly. It is too short of an existence to put yourself in an environment every single day where the people are awful or your boss is a jerk or you hate doing that thing. And yes, it is a bit of chaos to make a career change, but literally this episode is about how to change. The first step is that you've got to stop being so afraid of what will happen if you change. In fact, change anything today. Make a change. Then make another change. Then change something else next week. Like if you are so terrified of change that you are willing to stay in an environment, in a relationship, in an experience that you know is terrible for you, you might not be ready to make that drastic of a change, but do something different. Do something different so that you can see that you are alive and you are fine and it all worked out okay. I'm not sure had I not experienced 15 years of pursuing change, you know, started with little things like hobbies, then became about my health, then became about my work, then became financial changes. And every time one little change stacked on top of another so that I felt more empowered in trusting of myself. 
See, that's why we're terrified of change is because maybe we've been taught to rely and count on everyone else around us. And so if we make a change that pulls us further away from that core group, we worry that we're going to be stranded. But the truth is that every time you make small changes and you live, you teach yourself that you can jump without a net because you are the net. You are the one who will catch you if you fall. Once you can learn to count on yourself, you take ownership, full ownership of this experience and you can make bigger changes. And I'm not sure if I didn't have, you know, 15 years of pursuing change, I don't think I would have had the courage to leave an 18-year relationship that had stopped being healthy long before. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you need to make that kind of change. But the foundation of learning to trust myself gave me the courage to make a massive life change that was very difficult and still is difficult in a lot of ways. But I know that I can count on myself. And I think if I hadn't pursued change so enthusiastically for a decade and a half, I wouldn't have been able to make that decision. So health, hobby, work. With work, I told you there were two ways. So one way to change your work is to just change it. To get a new job, to get a new career, to go to a new industry, or to get a new job in the same industry but a better environment. The other way is to stay right where you are but to find a way to give it meaning. There's a whole host of reasons why you might not be able to make change in your career or your business right now. But you can certainly pursue the same career or business but attach a greater why to it, attach purpose to it, attach passion to it. There is a fantastic quote by, I think, Seth Godin, who says, the opposite of quitting isn't just continuing on as you are. The opposite of quitting is recommitting with passion, recommitting with intensity, getting really excited about what it is that you do finding a why in it that is greater than the one you currently have. That takes a lot more soul searching. For me personally, it's easier to just make a big move than to try and work on what's here. But I have found that when I recommit with passion, when I work on what's here, those always end up being the more fruitful efforts. They take more effort but the reward is greater. The next way that you can change, which is really good, is to change and grow in your faith, your spirituality, your consciousness. What do you believe about God, the universe? What do you believe about what is out there? What is bigger than us? This one I think just ends up being fascinating. I'm a I'm a big reader and I love learning about other people's perspectives and I think this one's really really incredible because when I was little I was raised in an environment that said anybody who didn't believe how our church believed was wrong, was evil, was sinful, was dangerous and that narrative is hurtful and freaking terrifying for so many reasons. But I think the biggest reason is the divisiveness that it creates, the walls that it puts up, but also the hubris that you may have, the sense that you are somehow better than others if you have that kind of ideology. If you think that your way is the only way, that your God is the only way, that your religion is the right religion, it's actually the most narrow-minded perspective I think you can have. And it's worth saying that if me talking about this is making you feel a certain way, you're feeling some anxiousness in you, you're feeling potentially anger in you, you're feeling like that's not right, like 
this is the way it's supposed to be. Like if you're feeling those kind of emotions as I'm saying this right now, if you're being triggered by what I'm saying right now, by the suggestion that you could learn about other religions and ways of thinking or whatever, if that's triggering you into negative emotions, dang, that is something to look in and unpack. Because if your faith is strong, if the relationship you have with your creator is intact and strong, it will never be affected by the way someone else believes, period. If your faith and your relationship with God, with your creator, with whatever you believe in is pure and strong and connected, then it will never be hurt by the way someone else chooses to believe, by the way someone else votes, by the way someone else loves. If you're being triggered by someone else's religion or someone else's perspective, that says way more about you than it does about them. I'm forever astounded by Americans in particular who passionately fight for the beautiful things about this country. There are a lot of things about this country that are fucked, but there are a lot of things about this country that are beautiful and great. And we passionately proclaim to love that we are a free country that we have freedom of religion, that we have freedom of speech, that we have freedom to be whoever we are. But then often the people who are so passionate about our great country and the freedoms it provides get super freaking riled up when anyone uses their freedom of speech and it doesn't match with that ideology. If you love this country and you love the idea, let's just go with freedom of speech, that we have this incredible right to freedom of speech. Why would you ever be bothered by someone else saying that they don't like this country because of the history of inequality, because of the history of racism, because of the history of oppression, because of so many things that are like, I just, if, if me even saying that or the idea that you're like scrolling through Facebook and you see someone saying that they don't love America and that makes you want to fight and you're going to tell them what for and you're – what? There, we, we are getting more and more closed off. We're buying into the mythology that we are disconnected from one another. and getting fired up about something, getting upset, going into a negative emotion or a negative vibration because of the way someone else chooses to speak, to love, to believe, to act. Man, my thing is if it doesn't hurt anybody, if it doesn't hurt that person and if it doesn't hurt anybody else, man, go do your thing. Go do your thing. But when it comes to faith and spirituality, there is, there's so much fear surrounding it. There's so much fear, I think, predominantly if you were raised in certain religions that said that it's my way or the highway. And the older I get and the more I study and learn, the more I appreciate the perspectives that other religious leaders, that other faiths. I'm reading a book right now on uh, Sikh religion and these incredible teachers for interesting perspectives on the way to live your life. You know, I was raised in the Christian church, but I, I definitely grew up believing that the Jewish faith was very different than my own, which is weird given that the Bible and Christianity is based on Judaism and the Old Testament and, you know, that's how the Bible starts. It's it's wild. And I know not everybody is going to even track with this, but my instinct is that a lot of you were also raised in really specific upbringings. And it can change your whole perspective when you are just open to, well, what else, what else is there to learn? The book starts with the most beautiful story told by a Sikh leader about the light inside of you and what it means to light your own corner of the world. It's like the most beautiful perspective. 
But there's a version of me 20 years ago that would have been scared, literally scared, to read another religion's perspective. It doesn't even make sense, which is why I wanted to include this as one of the things that can change your life, is an openness. An openness to growing your faith and your spirituality will only connect you deeper to the creator that you're trying to be connected to. I sort of wonder if the reason that we get so scared of this is because oftentimes if you have a deeper connection with God, I think it loosens the connection you have with the church. I'm going off on a I'm going off on a tangent here for a minute. Or the closer you grow in your relationship to God, the less that connection to your creator needs a conduit of a church. And you may still absolutely go to church as this beautiful practice that you have to feel more connected or to be inside of a community. But you understand as that faith grows richer, deeper, more beautiful, that you don't need anything to access your creator. You don't need a priest. You don't need a church. You don't need those things because God is in you. God is all around you at all times. And so I think that's why it scares people a little bit because it's like, whoa, this is the most powerful relationship you can have. And potentially you're having it outside of like the parameters someone told you you were supposed to. Yeah. That's my perspective on it. And yours can be very different. But deciding to grow in that way, deciding to change in that way, that'll change everything. So it's worth pursuing. The last thing that you can do uh, if you're feeling a little something and you want to change up your life is to change the quality of your relationships. This can be friends, family, your romantic partner, but these are really crucial foundations in our life. You know, who you choose to spend your life with, who you choose to make out with, the relationship you have with your parents, with your siblings, uh, with your children, the quality of the relationships you have with self. And I say quality because, you know, they talk a lot about raising the ceiling. Have you ever heard someone refer to that in business or if you're talking about finances or wealth or whatever, they'll be like, raise the ceiling, like expand your horizons, make it bigger, make it grander, make it all of those things. And you could say that with relationships, right? You could be like, I want to add more friends to my life or I want my you know, romantic partner to be like, we can't keep our hands off each other and we act like teenagers and we're making out all the time so passionate and exciting and all of this stuff. But I actually don't think that that is the healthiest way to pursue change when it comes to our relationships. I think that the healthiest way to pursue change is not to raise the ceiling. It's to raise the floor. It's to change. It's to change the quality of what you are willing to accept inside of your relationships. It's to put up boundaries. It's to say, never again will I accept less than this because never again will I offer less than this. So if I'm not willing to offer less than this, then by God, I am not willing to accept less than what this is. It's not expanding the ceiling. It's raising the floor. What's beautiful about that is that you have a new foundation. You have a new standard of, of quality, of how you want to show up, of how you want. And that also might mean when you raise the floor, you might have just taken the elevator three floors past most of your crew. I, was, I saw something came through on like reels the other day. It was a preacher. He was saying like, you're flying like an eagle. And you wonder why you're flying alone. And it's because pigeons can't fly to the same heights that an eagle can. And he's like, if you're wondering why you can't fly higher 
but you're surrounded by all kinds of friends, people who want a good time and whatever, but you can't soar, like you just can't really get yourself to the next place, it's because you're an eagle trying to fly with pigeons because pigeons can only go so high up. And sometimes raising the floor and raising your standards means that you're going to raise them right over the heads of people you know shouldn't be in your life anyway. Change is not for the faint of heart. It's why most people won't do it. It's why most people will stay right where they are. But putting up boundaries to keep yourself safe and sane and emotionally supported, even if that means that some people are no longer allowed to be in your life, that'll change everything. See, interestingly enough, there are five different options I've given you, and there are more, right? Finances would be a big one. Your contribution to the world would be, there's all kinds of things I could add to this list. But any of these five, any of these will make you more receptive to changing in other ways. If you can change in one of these categories, this is why I started with hobby. If you can learn to rollerblade, When you never thought you were the kind of woman who in her 60s would be learning to rollerblade, if you can do that, suddenly you're like, you know what? I'm going to change the relationship that I have with my sister. And I know I can do it because I didn't think I could do this thing, but I did it. And now I know I'm capable. All of these things work together. It's like teeth on a zipper. They all sort of zip right up. They all support each other one after another. So you're standing at this stop sign, you're standing at this crossroads, and you're feeling stuck. There is no right answer. There is no right path. But there is a wrong one. The wrong one is staying right where you are because you're too afraid of what would happen if you step out into the unknown. Try something. Try anything. Try any one of these paths. Pursue it in any way. Start doing research. See if you can get pumped up about something. See if you can get excited. Like I started following skiers on Instagram because like I am a skier and I'm liking this new hobby that I've learned to do. But like I get myself excited by images, video, YouTube, podcasts. Like I research and like fill my spirit, fill my feed, fill everything I'm seeing with this new thing I'm into. If I was pursuing health, I'd do the same thing. If I want to change my relationship, same thing. Faith, same thing. First, you research, you arm yourself with information. The second thing you do to change is study. Get books, watch YouTube videos, listen to podcasts. Maybe you go to a conference. In my case, I wanted to learn to ski, so I got lessons. Study it. Pump yourself up with the research. Learn, study what it is you're doing. And lastly, you got to apply it. You know, they say knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. So you've got to take these things that you've learned and start living your life in a new way. Not occasionally, not every once in a while. Change is an everyday decision. Every freaking day you wake up and you make the decision to keep the change in motion. Because if you stop, It takes so much momentum to get going again. But if you just keep the ball in motion, even if it's like by tiny little inches, a month from now or six months from now, you'll look back and you won't even believe how far you've come. I'm going to use one more skiing analogy for you today. (laughs) It's really scary to ski down a snowy mountain if you're not used to it. And one of the things my friend Amy told me that her dad told her when she was little was, yes, you're scared. Yes, it feels fast. Yes, you're unsure. But you're going to ski down the mountain and then you stop and rest. And every time you stop and rest, look backwards, look up the mountain and see how far you've already come. And seeing how far you've already come gives you the courage to ski a little bit more. I hope that something I said today was helpful, guys. And I hope if something I said today stirred you up or made you feel a certain way that you'll take a deeper dive into why that is. We don't get emotional without cause. There's always something in us, a calling of spirit or a thing that we need to look at or an area we need to unpack. But if you're feeling a sense of 
It's time for change. Yeah, pay attention to that voice inside you that's calling you in a certain direction. I'll be back soon with more info. Until then, I just want to remind you about the podcast hotline. I do episodes where I answer caller questions. You call in, you leave a voicemail just like old school. You can do it anonymously. You can tell me exactly who you are, but the number is 737-400-4626. You can also find it in show notes, but call and ask me a question. Maybe you want me to take a deeper dive on something I said today, or maybe there's an area I haven't talked about, or maybe there's a person that you're like, oh, Rachel, you have got to talk to fill in the blank celebrity or author or this person because I think it would be the best combo. Everything in the show is a reaction to you guys, is building it for you guys and what you're telling us and what you're loving. So keep it coming. Call the hotline. And uh, until then, I will leave you with a reminder in case you haven't heard someone say it recently. I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble.